Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. The Volume. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is celebrating with an unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for throwing down $5 on the NBA. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. You'll start the season with an instant dub. And with DraftKings parlays, Everyone's got a shot at even bigger basketball wins. String together multiple bets from the same game or build your parlay across multiple games for a shot at making your payday even sweeter. Basketball's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code JOHN. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with Code John. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsible on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort Kansas. Licensed partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21+. plus. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in ONT. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. How's it going? We have a lot of injuries throughout the NFL today. Brock Purdy, Tyreek Hill... Deshaun Watson, even Jalen, the tush push hurts, is dealing with a little knee. And then some trade talk. Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, some names being uh, bantered about out there in the football internet streets. And let's face it, maybe it makes sense to trade both those guys. We, we will dive into all that as well 
as the Middlecoff mailbag, at John Middlecoff, at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs and get your questions answered on the show. So just fire in my DMs, get your questions answered on the show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. If you listen on Colin's feed, I greatly appreciate everyone that has. Before we dive into some football talk, can I tell you about my friends at Game Time? Game Time happens to be the official ticketing app of this podcast. When you go to your smartphone, go to your app store. Download the Game Time app. Do you live in Arizona? You want to go watch the D-backs take on Bruce Bochy and those Red Hot Rangers? Well, here's what you do. You go to Game Time. You search the event you want to go to. Football games, baseball games, basketball games, concerts, comedy shows. You find where you want to sit based on the price point, and they also allow you interactive ticketing map to view where uh, where you would be sitting. And you type in the promo code John. That's my name, J O H N, J O H N, and get twenty dollars off. How do you beat that? J O H N gets you twenty dollars off any pair of tickets. Download the Game Time app right now. Love these guys. Fastest growing ticketing app in America. Promo code John, twenty dollars off. Go enjoy yourself. Get out of the house. Do something fun. And do it with a little discount. In these inflationary times, you cannot take advantage enough when I'm throwing you promo codes. And the promo code, John, uh, you guys have been hammering it. Keep doing it. I appreciate every single one of you. Let's start with the 49ers. And every single year, things get weird. Two years ago, they made the NFC Championship game. They had just drafted Trey Lance. He was the backup. Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. He started some games. Somehow, they ended up playing the Rams. (laughs) you know, to go to the Super Bowl. Last year, Trey Lance starts, breaks his ankle, Garoppolo comes in, breaks his foot, Purdy emerges. It's just, it's part of Kyle Shanahan. Weirdness happens. Now, as news broke today, Brock Purdy experienced concussion-like symptoms on the flight home. And doing a little research, aka scrolling on Twitter, Adam Schefter tweeted out that no player this year has entered concussion protocol and has played the same week. So obviously, I would say the previous uh, several years feels like for the last six, seven, half decades since concussions became on the forefront, a lot of guys enter the protocol and end up playing on Sunday. Clearly, those days feel a little bit over. So I think it's fair to assume that we are going to see Sam Darnold. And this is how you get credit as a head coach in the NFL. I don't want to say he made a controversial move when he traded Trey Lance, because I think it was the no-brainer move. I don't think Trey Lance is any good. They had an opportunity to get a fourth-round pick for a guy they did not trust in the game. You got to do it. But he is going to get judged on the guy that they made the backup in Sam Darnold. Now, they didn't pay any money. They gave him like $3 million. And I just read he has an incentive that if uh, he plays 25% of the snaps in a win, he gets three hundred grand. So he can rack up some incentives fast if he plays in games and they have some success. It's going to be hard. They're playing the Bengals off a bye. They've lost a couple games. Debo Samuel's out. Trent Williams, who knows? So we're going to see Sam Darnold. But this is where you get credit as a head coach. For a long, long time before Andy started rattling off Super Bowls, people thought highly of him because he could win with so many different quarterbacks. And let's face it, Kyle's really just won in San Francisco with two quarterbacks. Jimmy Garoppolo, and Brock Purdy. Him and Trey Lance did not work at all. He tried with the C.J. Beathards. He tried with the Nick Mullins. He had no shot, right? They they were getting mollywopped in those games. And now, if Sam Darnold starts, which, as I'm recording this on Wednesday, I'm going to assume he does, like, there's going to be a lot of eyeballs because if he can make Sam Darnold look good, 
This is why we hold the guy to high regard, even when he has games like he did last week against the Minnesota Vikings, where I thought for his standards, he was pretty shitty. He gets, you know, a lot of young coaches in 2023, and rightfully so, we're like this when we play video games, let alone every coach wants to call a pass. And a lot of coaches are inclined to pass and can get quote-unquote pass happy. Kyle's the opposite. He, he's a baby of 1970s and 80s football because of his father, and he's addicted to running the football. And he got Christian McCaffrey, and he can't quit the run calls, which I don't blame him. Most times they work. But sometimes, like last week, spread that thing out and sling it around. Now, I'm fascinated to me what Sam Darnold would look like in this offense. I was really intrigued this offseason when they got him. And I think a lot of times players, most players can't create a franchise, right? Peyton Manning could have gone anywhere. He would have resurrected them. That, that, that was how talented the guy was. Hell, Andrew Luck, the Colts were in shambles. Immediately went from two wins, led them to the playoffs. That, those guys are very, very rare. Most quarterbacks, even the talented ones, can't overcome dysfunction, lack of talent. You need help. Now, I'm not defending Sam Darnold because for basically four and a half years when he played in the NFL, he was not good. But he also wasn't exactly playing for Belichick and Andy Reid. He got Adam Gase, which, let's face it, everyone made fun of. And then he went to Matt Rule, who got run out of town and went back to college, which is where he belongs. And the simple reality for 99% of us, the talented, the average, the below average, we're very dependent on who we do business with, on where we work, on who we work with. There are only so many guys that are Elon Musk and Steve Jobs and are just you know, a wrecking ball of success no matter what, they're going to figure it out. Most human beings, I would include myself, and I would imagine many people listening to this, even if you're very successful financially, you, you need a lot of help along the way. And a lot of help sometimes is luck, right? who hires you originally, who you get to work with when you're young. And then as you get older, you create a lot of your own luck. But we're all dependent on others. And I think Sam Darnold, so far in his career, the others he's had in his life have been really, really shitty from a football standpoint when it comes to the National Football League. There are no excuses now. If he gets the opportunity to play on Sunday, even with Debo Samuel out, like... You get Ayuk, you get McCaffrey, you get Kittle, you get Juwan Jennings, you get, if Trent Williams plays, you get Kyle Shanahan. Like, it's time to show you're a pretty good player. So the pressure now shifts to Sam to prove that I actually was kind of good. Now, I think the ship has sailed of him ever being a star, uh, obviously, but I, I do, I am intrigued by the player because he was in terrible spots. I mean, he really, really was. And now this spot doesn't get any better. And the great part about potentially, we'll see. I mean, Brock Purdy now in his short career, concussion, uh, elbow injury. You know, he's he's not, I wouldn't call him Mr. Durability so far. That Who knows? You, you never know if you're Sam Darnold. So you got to take advantage of this. And all eyes are going to be on Kyle Shanahan. And he'll get a lot of credit. He just will if Sam Darnold looks good. And if he looks bad, that's part of the deal with the position you're in. Criticism's going to fly. And I won't agree with the criticism. Well, you shouldn't have done this. No, Sam Darnold's better than Trey Lance. I'll promise you that. Now, is Sam Darnold good enough to be your backup? We're about to find out. If he's able to throw 300 yards, beats the Bengals, get the 49ers back on track. Because now there's some pressure, right? The Eagles are playing the Commanders. Probably going to win that game. 
even with Jalen dealing with this knee injury, which we'll get into in a second. But the 49ers, you got to hold serve and you got to do it with your backup quarterback, a guy that you handpicked. And I said it from the moment they signed him, Trey was done. He was dead man walking. Sam Darnold was going to be the backup. Well, Kyle gets what he wanted. And uh, ideally, I don't think he wanted, obviously, Brock Purdy to get a concussion. But the reason you signed him, because if he has to play, that's the guy you want to have to play as your backup. All eyes on the 49ers now to see how Sam Darnold looks. Listen, I I have no problem with the tush push, with the brotherly love shove, whatever the hell you want to call it. If it's in the rules and you do it, Godspeed. Good good move. That's that's smart business. That that's good football coaching. But I, I do like the more and more I've watched it, the physicality of the play, and the more and more these defenses have guys flying at, you know, the offensive linemen, let alone the quarterbacks. It feels inevitable that someone is going to get hurt. Now, I don't know. You know, Jalen got hurt last year with his shoulder running down the field. Obviously, this knee injury could just be wear and tear. But I do wonder, and I don't blame them for continuing to go back to the tush push. It works. It gets them first downs. But can you constantly have that level of violence with a quarterback who is very strong? So it's easy to justify You know, he squats 7,000 pounds. He's the strongest guy in the league. It's a no-brainer to go to him. I would too. But you just have to ask yourself, you're paying him $45, $50 million. You're all in on this guy, and rightfully so. Is it risky? Is it something that you want to keep doing consistently? And obviously, they're going to do it as long as it works, but will it have a negative result eventually? Will it have a wear and tear on a player who your whole franchise is hinging on? Right, If he can't go, if he ever gets injured and has to miss a game, there is no guarantee, even with how good their roster is, they can win a game with Marcus Mariota. Definitely based on what we saw in the preseason, Mariota looks shot. He looks awful. So I, I do wonder if those are conversations, just big picture, does this play get too violent for a quarterback that we're paying all this money and, and we're so tied to? So it's, it's just something to keep an eye on. And just big picture, I mean, the health of Jalen's knee, this is the second year in a row that you know, a, a guy that is built like a fucking tank is just dealing with something. And this injury, obviously different from last year, is happening earlier in the season. But it's definitely just, you know, now the two teams in the NFC that we're all picking to represent the conference in the Super Bowl have some quarterback. I mean, the Eagles, this guy's going to play, but you got to wear a brace on your knee. It's just, it's not an ideal situation. Speaking of not ideal situations, I said this, uh, a couple weeks ago when you know everything was going on with Deshaun Watson and he wasn't playing, once we dove into the numbers earlier this week and saw the contract, how it changes starting next year, and they will lose over $43 million of cap space, uh, the time is now if you're the Cleveland Browns. This is the best team you are going to have, unless you hit on you know, a ton of late-round picks who become impact players for the next two or three years. This is as good as it's going to get. Some of the guys on this team will not be able to play next year for the Browns because of financial constraints. So you got to take advantage of it. And before we knew Deshaun was dealing with you know the shoulder injury and things were getting weird, he did not have to play like I think the guy that they thought they were getting when they made the trade last year. Because when they made the trade for all those ones and they gave him $230 million, And the reason they gave him $230 million, because that was the only way he was coming there. 
So did they want to? No, that was the only way they could get the player. But at the time, his value to the rest of the league was probably, you know, $160, $170 million. He was still highly valued. There were a ton of other teams. The Saints, the Falcons, the Niners were sniffing around. Everyone wanted the guy because people viewed him as, you know, a fringe top five quarterback. I always thought that was a little bullish, but he was clearly pretty good. He was a really, really good playmaker. I think when you dove into like truly watching him and especially diving in to some of my buddies that were scouts, he was never a dominant pocket quarterback, but a lot like Russell Wilson, he was elite at scrambling, keeping the eyes up, and making plays outside of the pocket. He was just a great instinctive playmaker. And he was young, athletic, at before the, everything that happened off the field. He was viewed as a high character guy. People really liked him. Obviously, things are completely different now. And listen, I don't know what's going on with the Browns. I don't know anyone in that organization. But there's no way to argue otherwise. This situation has gotten weird. Even if this injury is 100% valid and his shoulder is all fucked up. Obviously, Brady Quinn and Quincy Avery are arguing on the internet. Quincy is Deshaun Watson's quarterback coach. You know, represents a lot of other quarterbacks that he trains in the offseason. I always think anytime... You know, it's one thing when you support a guy with no question marks and people are talking shit about, totally understand that. Like, if you're Dak Prescott's guy or Kirk Cousins' guy, when you're in Deshaun's camp, it's like, yeah, you're there for the cash. <laughs> like, don't get it twisted. So his agent the last couple years, Quincy Avery, it's like, you guys are kind of on an island here. Like, you know, this guy tried to get with every single massage therapist in the state of Texas doing some weird shit. Like, that's really the guy, the hill you're going to die on. Now, I'm not saying Brady Quinn is completely right that the Browns say that his shoulder's completely healthy and Deshaun says that's BS, it's injured. I don't know. Honestly, I don't even care. I'm just red flagging the situation. And now the simple reality is he's not playing this week. So basically for four straight games, four straight games, they're going to miss him. I know he started last week, but he didn't last long. And then the previous two weeks, you had P.J. Walker and DTR the Browns have a major, major problem because they are built to make a run this year. And they cannot do that with P.J. Walker and DTR, even though somehow they have won two straight games essentially with P.J. Walker starting them both. That is not going to continue, right? I, the defense has to be like 85 Bears level, and they're damn good. But that, that that is not a sustainable model. Shitty, shitty quarterback play, elite defense. Like those days are kind of over too many good offenses. And you can't put that type of pressure on one side of the ball. That's not how the good teams in the NFL are built. you got to have much more balance. That's why they made the trade for Deshaun Watson. <laughs> they just needed you know, a top 10 quarterback. Honestly, if they were just getting top 15 quarterback play, they'd be a 13-14 win team. I don't even think that's debatable. And now you go, who knows? Does this lead to him eventually going on IR? Would would they find themselves in a position where they try to trade for Kirk Cousins? But if you're Kirk Cousins, you want no part of this. It's just too risky, even though the team's pretty good. Just the organization historically could go weird, even though you know Stefanski. So the Browns find themselves in a troubled spot. They really do. Like, this is, they are so in bed with this quarterback and this contract and this situation that they got to make it work. And it already feels like not everyone's on the same page. And even if they are on the same page, let's just say my my gut and my, my spidey senses say I'm wrong, that this guy, they're wasting the best year they're going to have with him in terms of financially his impact on the team. Next year, it gets really expensive. 
and he's barely playing this year. He hasn't been good in like four years. So all of a sudden, 2024, when you got to get rid of a bunch of guys because you can't afford them, you're going to expect this guy to be better than he has been? That, that seems like an extreme. So I, I, I feel bad for Browns fans because this team feels like your classic kind of Ravens-Steelers team of like 10 years ago. They will hit you hard, elite tackling team, great pass rush, good DBs, some good offensive players, and they just got a problem at quarterback. And that's kind of been a theme for it's really the reason that they went out and traded for him. I mean, they had Baker had some moments for like a year and a half with the Browns, but for the most part, since they've come back to Cleveland as a franchise, quarterback has been their issue. That They've never, ever been able to figure that out and it's consistently their downfall. Uh, another injury that, that came up today was Tyreek Hill. And Dolphins fans, that they get very, they get very defensive. And I get it. Like I, 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 I understand it's been a long time, but like the true, true fandom. Uh, I think the last time I felt that way is when I worked with the Eagles. You're just so in deep that you just defend moves. Even looking back, you're like, yeah, that was kind of stupid. Why am I even defending that? It doesn't even make sense. But it's fun. Like you made the playoffs last year, you're gonna make the playoffs again this year. Your, your team's solid. You you got a pretty cool, young, innovative offensive coach. You have one of the best defensive coordinators. I would be excited too. I am never when I say like I'm not gonna bet on them to win a big game. That does not mean I'm betting against them to win uh, the division. I think they easily could win the division. And two, to be like competitive in the first round of the playoffs. And if you win a playoff game, last time I checked, I don't remember when the Miami Dolphins won a playoff game. That would be an incredible accomplishment for Mike McDaniel. He's not exactly coaching the Pittsburgh Steelers here, right? Or the Baltimore Ravens. This is not some franchise over the last couple decades that used to rattling off victories in January. And, and when I talk about playing outside, I'm not just pulling that out of my ass. Google the Miami Dolphins in games under 40 degrees. It doesn't matter who the players are. It's just a historical trend. And it's a trend for a reason. It's beautiful in Miami. Great weather. Hard to play outdoors. You can't train for it. So I remember like when Chip Kelly was the 49ers coach, they played like Carolina one week and they were playing the Bears the next week and they stayed the week in Florida and it was going to be just a snowstorm in Chicago. So they had some of the coaches in Florida with like water bottles spraying it on the kicker. It's like, guys, this is embarrassing. Of course, the Niners get smoked by the Chicago Bears, couldn't make a kick. It was embarrassing because there's no way to prepare for weather. If you're not in a weather state, you can't you can't prepare to play in Chicago or Buffalo, right? If you play golf in Arizona and you're going to St. Andrews, there's no way to get ready for 50 degrees and whipping winds, right? You just kind of show up and try to figure it out when you get there. I don't really know what to say. I'm not a Dolphins hater. I'm actually a huge Mike McDaniel fan. Vic Fangio as well. I have friends in the NFL that are close with Vic. They love Fangio. I've been a Fangio fan since he was with Harbaugh. I'm rooting for your coaching staff and your operation. But Tyreek Hill, like, if he has to miss time, and we'll see, it's only Wednesday, but this is what anyone with common sense has been saying for two years. He's, you're the MVP of your team. He's the most important guy on your team, not the quarterback. And your quarterback has proven to be a good player. But you go as this guy goes. And if he's got to miss time, you're in major, major trouble. Now, I'm not going to say, I'm not feeling confident enough to just go, oh, Belichick's going to win the game this weekend. But it would be a pretty devastating blow if Tyree can't go, especially them coming off a win, them getting a little momentum. 
And we know, as I've been saying, as anyone that's watched football has noticed over the years, coaches, good coaches have big advantages even when they have shittier teams in divisional games. Because scouting reports, just knowledge of you guys, strengths and weaknesses of your scheme, he feels very, very comfortable coaching a game plan against something he has a lot of history against. It's a lot more difficult going against uncommon opponents, even when you're a good coach, let alone you know an average coach. So he's been in this division for two and a half decades. I just think that it's it's something to monitor, and it, it would be there. There's no player I, I would if I was a Miami Dolphins fan, I would rather have Tua miss a game than Tyreek Hill, especially against a game against Belichick. One hundred percent. I'd rather go with Mike White and Tua than, or excuse me, and Tyreek than Tua and no Tyreek. So I, I'm not a hater. I like your squad. I love the colors. Love the city. Love Florida. Uh, you guys are lucky. No state income tax. So a lot of sun, a lot of golf, great place to live. I bet a lot of people listening or watching have been in an accident. I bet a lot of people have been into an intense car accident. And let's face it, not knowing who to call for help is hard. Hiring Morgan & Morgan is easy. Because Morgan & Morgan is America's largest injury law firm with over 100 offices nationwide with more than 800 lawyers. They've recovered over $15 billion for over 300,000 clients. Morgan & Morgan has a proven track record of fighting to get you full and fair compensation. They've been fighting for the people for over 35 years. Submitting an injury claim with Morgan & Morgan is so easy. That's the key. Not having representation is hard. Fighting with Morgan & Morgan is easy. If you've ever been injured, you can check out Morgan & Morgan. Their fee is free unless they win. For more information, go to ForThePeople.com slash John or dial pound law, pound 529 from your cell phone. That's F-O-R-ThePeople.com slash J-O-H-N or pound law, pound 529 from your cell phone. This is a paid advertisement. Okay, a couple other things. Trades. We talked a lot yesterday about why certain guys can be had for not much, and obviously the high-end guys, you get several teams involved, the price goes way up. It's just basic economics, right? When you have multiple people bidding, the price is just going to go up. When no one's bidding, that's when you can get a quote-unquote discount, right? Hell, the house I'm in right now is, I liked it a lot. I had to put several hundred thousand dollars into it, but I got it pretty cheap relative to what it was originally listed for, my negotiating power, I was not bidding against other people. Really, the only people I was bidding against were home flippers. Well, they are so unemotional about buying a house, their number, especially as the interest rates were going up, was so low, they were not even a factor. So I was bidding against myself, really, where a lot of people, anyone that's bought a house the last couple years, and I did this when I bought a condo in the Bay Area several years ago. When you start bidding against other people, you're like, God, how much higher am I going to go? Uh, and that's what the case is sometimes in the trade deadline, right? So I see two names that are going to be very, very intriguing. I understand that Saquon Barkley does not want to be traded. I understand that Brian Dayball says we're not trading him. But what if like the Bills would give you a second round pick? Are you going to extend this player after the season? Like, are you just going to franchise tag him again? Clearly, that's not ideal. The price goes up. Is this a situation where you kind of take something right now and move on when your team is terrible? You play the Jets this weekend. 
you're two and five. You lose that game. And again, I'm not saying the Giants have actually been really feisty the last two weeks. That they have looked a lot more competitive with Tyrod Taylor. Uh, Daniel Jones wasn't cleared to practice today, so I think it's fair to assume Tyrod's going to play again. Would you trade Saquon Barkley? Because I would for the right price. If I could somehow get a team a little desperate to give me a two or to give me a three and a two the following year or, or some sort of package, why not? You are going nowhere and nowhere fast. This is not a player under contract. This is a player that you're going to have to either pay more next year on a one-year deal or sign to a long-term extension, which clearly this offseason showed you are not inclined to do. I think it has to be on the table. Now, it takes two to tango. You need someone to offer you. I wouldn't just give them away for a fourth or fifth round pick. But to me, if you could get a second round pick from some of these teams that are you know, on the playoff fringe, like if the Baltimore Ravens were to call you, if the Buffalo Bills, now obviously that second round pick is not pick 36. It's more pick 59 or 60. I think you got to think about it because we're all watching watching your team this year. Like You're several players away. You got a lot to figure out moving forward. And let's face it, you can find a running back with that pick, right? Who also costs like a million dollars a year. So it's a double whammy. It gives you more equity, or excuse me, resources in the draft. And it kind of gives you the ability to get a cheaper running back who probably could do 80% of what Saquon does for a tenth of the price. I think it has to be on the table. Now, I know you really like the guy. You drafted the guy. You like having him to sell jerseys. Uh, He's a good player to have on your team. I'm not disputing that. But this is also a business. And I think you need to make big-picture moves. And clearly, the move you made with Daniel Jones, you regret. How could you not? If you had that one to do over, you wouldn't a heartbeat. And this is a time where I think you have to think a little bit you know, past just the next couple weeks. Because I got news for you if you lose to the Jets. Just mail in the year. Another running back who I do think could be traded. Uh, and definitely the Titans want to trade him. A lot like Saquon Barkley, though, does it make sense just giving a guy away who is still somewhat of a reason that people come to your games? Because the hard part, like in the NBA for the last seven, eight years, teams constantly tanked. They did not give a shit if you bought a ticket and came to a game. Just like kind of a middle finger to you. I saw the television ratings on opening night. They're not good. So you can only say F you to your consumer and your paying customer so many times till eventually they tap out, till eventually they say, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. So part of being a business, like, and you can make this argument with Saquon as well, if we're going to win four games, at least if you're coming to MetLife, you get to watch Saquon Barkley. And obviously, Derrick Henry with the Titans, who has had a much more illustrious, powerful, and record-setting career, that it's hard to pass with a guy like that. But after you trade your team captain a couple days ago for basically a bag of peanuts, I I do think if you could get, I don't know, like a fourth and fifth round pick for Derrick Henry at this point, he's not going to be on your team next year. That much is true. You are going nowhere. You're starting Will Levis this week. Sometimes it does make sense to just wave the white flag. And the moment this guy tweaks an ankle or something, you're not going to be able to trade him. Like if he were to get injured this week, to me, if he comes out healthy, I think you got to trade him. And then if I'm a team, to me, the Ravens, obviously the Cowboys, he's a unique player. To me, Saquon is an easier guy that 
his carries or touches on a weekly basis can kind of ebb and flow because he's just he's just a more versatile player. You know, to me, Derrick Henry is your classic like 1970s, 1980s running back. Like a lot of times, especially the last couple years when you've watched him, he can have 120 yards, but a lot of that comes on two or three carries because he's getting 18 to 20 carries a game. Now, a lot of teams aren't really operating like that. It's easier, like Saquon could have an impactful game with nine carries and three touches. It feels like, and listen, I'm not trying to be hot takey here, it's a little harder for Derek to play like that. He's much more of a uh, accumulation over the course of a game and kind of wear you out and kind of get going over carry after carry after carry after carry, and eventually he's going to break a bigger run. And I, I do think that hurts his value a little bit. And he's never been known, it's not because he can't, you know, catch the ball, but I don't think he's viewed as like a great pass catching back. You know, this isn't Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara. So you're basically trading for him to be your starting running back. And for him to be an effective starting running back, you got to give him X amount of carries. And that's something I would imagine a lot of teams are talking about. You technically, I mean, this contract's over after this season. He'll be a free agent. Uh, You don't owe him any money. So you're basically just a one-year rental. I, I do wonder if it would be very hard for the Titans to get a third-round pick. Now, they just proved that they, they traded one of their best players over the time with Derek when they've gone to the playoffs several times for not much. So would they do the same thing to here and just try to gather and accumulate draft capital? I, I think that has to be on the table now that they have a new general manager. Uh, I, I just wonder if when he is traded in the next four or five days, probably come after Sunday, I, I would imagine, if people go, wait, you just got Derrick Henry for a conditional fourth? It's just kind of the way the league works in 2023. You might be a pro when it comes to what you do, but we can't all be pros at everything. Take home repairs, remodeling, and renovations. That's not something you want to trust to anyone but a skilled professional. Angie's List is now Angie. Connect with a local pro, tackle jobs big and small inside and out decks, leaky faucets, maybe redoing a kitchen. I know I can relate. It's not easy and you want people you can trust. The Angie app offers robust tools so you can research and connect with local pros who come highly rated and recommended by people right in your neighborhood, all with a few taps of a button. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses Get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals 
like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Okay, let's dive into a little mailbag. Add John Middlecoff as the Instagram fire in those DMs to get your question here on the show. Start with Johnny. Mailbag question. I'm thinking about watching the Spanish telecast of tomorrow night's game because Al and Herb Street are so dang snoozy. I guess my question, would you have ever considered this? I think the answer is no. Uh, Mainly because I just, my Spanish is tried to communicate in Spanish over the last couple weeks, and I I used to be able to communicate pretty well. Definitely the basic stuff, I I can't. I mean, I've I've lost it. I I was never, I would say, fluent in Spanish, but I definitely could hold a conversation in my younger years. Those days are gone. So I would have no clue what they were saying. Though, energy would be high. The energy on the Spanish telecast would blow away. And this pains me to say, I have no problem talking shit about broadcasters when they're terrible. And let's face it, a ton of guys on Saturday and Sunday are god-awful. And I'll be the first to admit, it's a hard job. I, I would never want that job. I think it's easy to be critical on the outside, but it's pretty clear when a guy's good at the job and a guy's bad. And a lot of people are not very good. Now, you got to fill seats, so it's happening all over the place. Al Michaels is one of the truly greats of all time, right? And Herb Street, I think, is really good on college football. It's his natural habitat, Right? Here's the thing with Al Michaels. It happens to athletes. <sighs> Michael Jordan got old. Peyton Manning couldn't throw. Like It happens. Al, it's over. Now, I don't blame him for taking a huge paycheck, but it's it's not an easy watch. And, and I see him say, well, everyone talks shit on social media. I don't even care. That's not even the point at this time. It, it's just, it, he's just not any good anymore. He, he constantly, he just, it, it's bad. And him and Herb Street just have no chemistry. There is no chemistry between the two guys. And that clearly matters a lot. Whether it's a radio show, whether it's a podcast, or whether it's a broadcast. 
Like, I say this about Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, who, to me, are two of the greats of all time. And I know a lot of people talk shit about Joe Buck. I, he's really, really good. And I think Aikman is fantastic. They have really good chemistry. Pat Summerall and John Madden, great chemistry. Forever, Mike Tirico and John Gruden. Say what you want about Gruden, and not everyone loved him on TV. They had really good chemistry. It was an easy watch. And Al Michaels and Herb Street is just not an easy watch. In, in fairness to Herb Street, I don't blame either. Money was huge. Sometimes you just, listen, this might last a couple years, but I'm going to make, I, I would guess Herb Street's making an extra $15 million. Al might be making twenty-five. million. I mean, what, what are they supposed to do? Say no? Don't blame them. But it's really bad. Another perspective on Steve Wilkes nobody is bringing up. This is similar to what happened in Carolina. His defense faltered while Rule took blame and ultimately got fired. All of a sudden, Steve took over the team and the defensive play calling went to Al Holcomb. Are we sure this guy can coach defense? This team is clearly going in the wrong wrong direction. How long before we can make a switch? He's not going to fire Steve Wilkes during the season. That's just not going to happen. Unless they have a catastrophe and their numbers actually look better than the eye test. And let's face it, sometimes like you're just watching the game and you go, this doesn't look right. I don't care that they only scored 22 points and the Niners turned it over. They're not as good right now. And the pass rush is not good enough. And, and Nick Bosa, someone you are paying an astronomical amount of money to, is not playing well. And they're not firing the defensive line coach, who is the highest paid defensive line coach in the league and elite at his job. Just like uh, what's-his-name in Philly on the offensive line coach. Stoutland. Like, an O-line struggles, it, the, the coordinator is getting the blame, not the position coach. It's the way it works here. <laughs> so, uh, I, I saw Dante Scarnecchia get, I think he was put in the Patriot Hall of Fame this weekend, I think probably with Rabel. Like, when an offensive lineman was struggling, Belichick wasn't blaming Dante. He's too good. So, I, I think the thing you have to ask yourself is... Wilkes has got to figure it out. Maybe blitz more, or blitz less, excuse me. He's going to just need Nick Bosa to play better. And part of an elite player isn't necessarily always scheme. It might be motivation. It might be just getting on the same page with the guy. But I, I think Mike Tomlin said this once. Like, anyone could get an average player to be, you know, a C player to play a game like he's a B player. Like, that's most coaches worth their salt can do that. He's like the truly great coaches get their high-end players to always play high level. Right? That, that's what makes Parcells or Bill Walsh or Andy Reid or Belichick. Like, can you get your pro bowlers 90% of the time playing at that level? Because that's how you win. And the Niners need Nick Bosa to be a 15-sack guy. Like, I'm watching the Steelers. TJ Watts kicking the shit out of everybody. Miles Garrett, would, him and Jim Schwartz, Guy looks like the most dominant player in the league. Aaron Donald got all these guys' jobs. So you, you got to get your best player playing at a high level. I like Fields to Atlanta. He doesn't want to be in Chicago. He doesn't like the cold weather. Atlanta is maybe the worst quarterback, but they have a good record. So they won't be able to get a top guy. I think Fields would be a perfect fit for Atlanta and all the weapons they have. Perfect fit would be strong because I, I think accuracy has been questioned. But he definitely, I would take Justin Fields over Desmond Ritter. I mean, they're going to compete, and we'll see what happens Thursday with Buccaneers. I would assume they lose. 
they are in the driver's seat to win the division. The Saints got way too many issues. I, I do not trust now Carr and Dennis Allen. Now, I don't trust Desmond Ritter, but eight eight wins might win you the division. So I, I think the big question you ask is, would you trade for Justin Fields? Would you just give – would they trade him to you for a second-round pick and just play the rest of the year with uh, Tyler Bagnett, Bagnet, whatever the hell his name is? Because I, I, I would do that if I was the Bears, especially if you know he's not coming back. Because he's kind of got some positive momentum. Now, he injured his thumb and is out a while. So that's a problem. But I, if he had been healthy, I would definitely have traded him. And I think Atlanta is a good example of their quarterback away from being you know, a 10-win team. Would they be in the Kirk Cousins sweepstakes this offseason? I would imagine so. Now, it clearly, Arthur Smith likes an athletic quarterback. But Desmond Ritter is not it. That, that game, I had it on one of the four boxes on YouTube because YouTube TV has the direct package, and you know you can kind of do multi-view with any set of games. And that was a tough watch. It, it really, really was a tough watch, that game. And I, I tried to follow the story. I'm not quite... I, I didn't read enough on it that B. John Robinson was sick on Sunday, and Florio wrote this thing that Arthur Smith pushed back. Like, why would I admit that he was sick? Now, if he had been sick during the week... As long as he practices in full, you don't have to say anything. But there are specific rules that if a guy is limited because of illness or injury, like this is the big leagues. This isn't a competitive advantage or disadvantage. Every team has to do this. If every team did not have to disclose injuries, they clearly would not. But the league has these protocols in for a reason. The other leagues are a fucking embarrassment. They love claiming they get the gambling money, but it's like you can't not tell me about injuries and then expect to get the gambling money. It's why we don't gamble on the other sports. Trust me, my second favorite sport, golf, you don't ever find out anything about injuries. Now, in fairness, they're like independent contractors, but all of a sudden you put some money on a guy and then he withdraws on Thursday. It's like, oh, my my thumb's been hurting. I would have liked to know that information before I put $250 on you to top five. In the NBA, at any moment, it's like, yeah, he's just out. He's got a tweaked hammy. It's like, well, it's been nice to hear some of this. I, the only guy I've ever heard about talk like this in basketball is Brian Windhorse has been hammering this for years. You, you can't be in bed with these gambling companies and not be above board when it comes to this stuff. I, I don't need to see the MRI results on the internet, but you just have to give me some basic level of, yeah, I got a hurt left leg, so I, I know not to gamble on you. After the 49ers' last two games, are you a believer in Brock Purdy? Seems like without the full arsenal of weapons that he's not able to elevate the offense. Was this similar to Tom Brady early on? Do you think he continues to get better and can eventually become a true franchise quarterback? Well, two weeks ago, he was terrible in the rain against a high-level defense. And he still led him on a game-winning drive that the kicker missed from 40 yards. But... That, that was a very, very tough environment, the way Cleveland was playing. It would have taken, to really have a successful day, a Mahomes, a Lamar, a Josh Allen playing at their A game to have success. Most quarterbacks, even guys better than Purdy, would have struggled in that scenario. I did think he played pretty well against Minnesota until the final two drives when he threw two interceptions. Now, someone in the league texted me, they're like, I, I think that was on Jawan Jennings, the first pick, because he throws it to an area he's expecting Jawan to get there. I, I get coaches speak like that and think like that, 
I can't throw the ball to the middle of the field with five minutes left when I'm down five, when the, when the wide receiver is nowhere in sight. I'm all for anticipation, throwing guys open, but there is a balance. We, we, we harp on this with Dak Prescott. However you get there, now it's one thing if it goes off your offensive player's hands, then I, I do not blame the quarterback. But if you hit the guy in the numbers on the other team, that is on you as the quarterback. That is your job. It, it just is. You have to be more careful. It's one thing to throw with anticipation into a risky spot in a tie game when you're leading. It's another thing with a couple minutes left and you are down. You have to be extra careful. We talk about ball security a lot. It's not just fumbles. It's also passing the ball. And I, I think he made... Reckless might be too strong, but that, that pass can't happen. You, you can't throw it. Your peripheral vision, you have to see that he's slipping and sliding 15, you know, maybe not 15 yards, but six, seven yards to the left. He's not even remotely close. So you can't just let that thing rip out of your hand. I, I put that on the quarterback. I'm sorry, I just do. And then the last pick, whatever. You got to try to do something. You were in a position because you didn't have a timeout, which probably a little bit on the quarterback too. So yeah, I mean, they're just, he's a young player. He's basically, this would be, would he start six games last year and seven, you know, he's, he hasn't even started a full season yet. Uh, I, I don't have definitive, he's going to, he definitely, I mean, I'm not putting him in Tom Brady's category, but even as a young player, it's not even fair. But yeah, there's a lot to be proven. And as we talked about earlier, he's injured again. Now, it's not necessarily his fault. I saw the clip before I hopped on to do the mailbag. Florio tweeted it out of him sneaking the ball, and he got crushed in the helmet. And it's, you know, concussions are very, very random, obviously, but which is not ideal. He's had a major elbow injury, and now he's probably going to miss a game. So durability is starting to be a question, which is, I think, most people, if I just polled all the people I know in the league that evaluated him coming out, they would say, yeah, we were just, even if we liked him as a backup quarterback, he was pretty small. How would he hold up in the NFL? It's why people lean with big, strong athletes, right? There's a reason LeBron, you know, is more durable than some players in the NBA. There's a reason it doesn't guarantee you're going to be durable, but I just like bigger, stronger, faster players. Love the daily content. Best pot out there. God, is, Nolan, you're a good man. I was listening to you talk about Lincoln Riley not being cut out to be an NFL head coach, and I agree. But what about a team like the Cowboys hiring him to be their OC? Jerry would obviously have to pay him a lot of money to get him away from USC for a coordinator position, but is that even in the realm of possibility? I feel like McCarthy is a decent head coach, but he's clearly been a little overwhelmed with the play calling, and I think Dak and the entire offense could benefit. I like your mindset, and your owner does have the money to pay whatever he wants. He's paid Kellen Moore. He was one of the highest paid offensive coordinators the last couple of years. Back in the day, Jason Garrett was paid like a head coach. We've seen Robert Kraft do this with Josh McDaniels, pay him six, seven million dollars to be the offensive coordinator. The problem with this one is Lincoln Riley's has a hundred twenty million dollar contract. Let me repeat that: a hundred twenty million dollar contract. And you know, I, I got for the first time in my life because I've always lived in like condos or apartments at a house. You know, part of being a grown up, which I didn't bring much to this this house beside cutting the checks and some televisions and the front door, but I, I did help choose 
the kitchen table and it's a long skinny you know over a hundred inch kitchen table so it's long and when I w- worked in football we used to have these long meeting room tables that were like triple the size of kitchen tables you could fit your entire coaching staff on there and the head coach sits at the end <laughs> and the coordinators sit in the corners Everyone always wants to sit in the front end of the table. Why? You make the most money, and you control the meetings. So while I've always said being a number two in football is an incredible job, I just read a headline a while back, when I say a while back, like last week, Arkansas fired their offensive coordinator. I guess that was a couple days ago. They paid him $3.7 million to go away. So... When you're sitting at the head of the table, you are making an ungodly amount of money. Like Lincoln Riley, you're making $120 million. Put it in perspective, he's probably making two and a half times when you factor in the length and the guaranteed money on his contract of what Mike McCarthy is making. So these coordinators in college and pro make a ton. But when you sit at the head of the table, it's not just even about the money. You run everything run the meetings, run in college. You're also the GM, which clearly Lincoln needs a little help. So it's where that type move is possible is if the guy's like a head coach at Boise State. If you're the head coach at Fresno State or San Diego State and you're making 2 or $3 million and I want you to be my coordinator at Ohio State or even in the NFL, yeah, I can do that. Deion Sanders did that with the Kent State offensive coordinator. He, or I mean head coach. He was the head coach there. I read an article, I think, by Bruce Feldman. He'd been trying to get head coaching jobs at higher spots. He'd interviewed at Louisville, at Cincinnati, and then he kind of came, he came to the realization, I don't think I can become a head coach from the job I have right now, even if I'm successful. So he went to Deion Sanders, who I don't know if he's making the same money. I think with Deion, he's probably making eight, nine hundred grand, maybe a million bucks, but it. Lincoln Riley, it's not possible. He makes way too much money. And he just, he has way too much power. It's hard to give up that. It's hard to take orders when you're making more money giving out the orders. And I'm not even saying he's like addicted to giving the orders. It's just, you'd rather make decisions than suggestions. And when you're a coordinator, you make suggestions. And Lincoln Riley now for six, seven years, Whatever official year he was the he was named the head coach at Oklahoma, he's been making decisions, and once you start making decisions, it feels pretty good. Thoughts on the fair catch call in the Iowa game? I thought it was pretty close. I, I saw a lot of people act like it, it was one hundred percent definitive. He was not doing it. I, I could see it both ways. My overall take is like I, I have a hard time feeling bad for Iowa. That program, how can we go this many years with struggling to score? I, I just don't get it. How every time, and I don't watch Iowa football these last couple of years, they're just too difficult of a watch. Do I look up and it's 7-6 to six in the third quarter? As someone tweeted at me on Saturday, I think right before that game ended or maybe after it ended and they lost, they have more yards punting this year than they do on offense. Now, I'll be full disclosure, I did not look that up to verify that. But just seeing their scores throughout the year, I think it feels correct. 
Their offensive coordinator, the son of the coach, clearly has the provision in his contract. If they don't win X amount of games, I think it's like eight or nine, and average above 25 points, which clearly they are not going to, I just do not understand how they can't score any points. Now, I understand why it's difficult to get star offensive players there, but are you really this bad on offense? Consistently? I mean, they are really, really tough to watch on offense. Lincoln Riley has the easiest fix in the world. He doesn't even need to be the D.C. He would fix the D-line, fix the defensive recruiting, and dog toughness has a name and loves USC. Go hire Coach O. I don't think Coach O can be your defensive coordinator. Part of it is the coverages really matter. I'm trying to say this in a nice way. Like, to be a good defensive coordinator, two things you got to be good at. Obviously, the the intensity, the motivation, like the defensive side of the ball is, I, I would say, uh, stimulated by just intensity, right? What do we talk about with defense? Effort, rallying to the ball. That, that's a huge theme of defense. But also the back seven. We talk a lot about the front seven, but in college football where everyone passes, the back seven. Your linebackers and your DBs, which mean the coverages. And that can be very, very difficult. I don't think Coach O could do that. Do I think he could be their D-line coach? Yeah. Would he do that? I don't know. Doubtful. Do you ever mentally spend your gambling winnings before you actually win? Do you make plans for it? I do, and I can't effing stand it. I mean, come on. Are we human? I've done that a million times. Who hasn't? And then, like everyone... That there is no bigger kick in the nuts, especially if you have a big bet. Like if you have, if you have four plus figures coming back to you, and you're like, God, I, you already have something planned. I remember, I mean, some of my biggest potentials when Rory McIlroy was going to win the British Open at St Andrews. Uh, was it last? Yeah, last year. Not this golf season, but in 2022, I think I was set to make. Either fifty five hundred or sixty five hundred. I had some ideas with that coin because it's just like f- extra money. You're not going to use it to like pay the credit card or pay the mortgage. You're like, I'm going to do something fun with this cash. And then he can't make a putt to save his life. And Cam Smith shoots like thirty three on the back, and y- you lose. And then it sucks. And then you never look at Rory the same. But yeah, that's it's part of being a gambler, man. Part of being a gambler. Hey John, why don't teams run a sort of box and one defense? like you see in basketball against teams with one dominant wide receiver. For instance, against the Chiefs, Travis Kelsey always puts up insane numbers against the Chargers and seems to just murder their zone defense, and he is almost always, all caps and always, wide open. Why don't teams run a zone and man cover Trav? Would just create a schematic issue that I don't understand, or do you think I should start applying for defensive coordinator positions around the league? I think a huge part of defense is lanes and spots on the field. So if you have a guy who just chases, and I'm not defending Brandon Staley here, but who just chases him around, essentially like a spy on the quarterback, but he he spies Travis Kelsey, and then behind him you just run the zone defense, yeah, I, I don't know. I, you'd have to get a defensive coach to really describe to me why that's not even possible. 
I know that a lot of teams do bracket coverages. A, a lot of it has to do with areas on the field, right? When you do zone defenses, if I'm a spot or pattern matcher as a linebacker or as you know the nickel corner, I kind of have a general area. And there's a balance of not just one thing I used to learn or that I did learn when I worked in the NFL is if you just follow the play sheet, like just five yards back and three yards over. Well, if you're just killing grass, you also have to be instinctive, right? And there's a big balance. What makes great zone defenders are instincts, not guys that just sit in the spot like three yards back, four yards over, sit here. No, it's like you got to have a feel for the position. And I think part of that is just you have to be an instinctive football player, and part of that is the coaching. And it does feel the level in which the Chargers play defense. Like, if you tell me Brandon Staley on a whiteboard, do I think he could describe everything he's attempting to do to make a lot of sense? 100%. I think if you gave him a pen and you gave him a whiteboard to just start describing defensive philosophies against the Chiefs, you'd be like, God, he's got some good ideas. The problem, it doesn't matter what he knows. Being a coach is about communicating those ideas and giving them to the players. And his players consistently look just kind of deer in the headlights, lost, standing there, no one knows what's going on. And that's why I think Brandon Staley is so bad. Whatever his message is, it's one thing if you just get beat, your guys aren't good enough. That's football, right? It happens in junior peewees to high school to college to the pros. You get beat. Some guys just, you play Deion Sanders or Aaron Donald, like sometimes you just got to tip your hat. But there are some times where it's like an average player can still make a play against a great player because he's coached up. And then he makes a, he's an instinctive player. And it feels like for whatever he's giving these guys, that they play slower in a huge part of football. And you hear this at every single level is I want you to be, to understand so much what you're doing out there, you don't even need to think. You just play fast. And that's, I would say, historically what makes all the great, players, right? They're just fluidity to their game. You just watch Tyreek Hill. Doesn't even look like he's thinking where he clearly is. What coverage are you in? Where do I need to go? Inside release, outside release. Where do I break this route off? Kelsey's a great example. His ability to work defenders, it never feels like he's thinking. He's just playing, even though he is thinking, right? And it's, I don't know, Brandon Staley cannot because I do think he would have some ideas to just slow him down, but his players can't even begin to execute it. And like you said, it just feels like guys are standing there in grass, killing grass, and then all of a sudden, Travis Kelsey gets, whatever, 10 for 180 and a touchdown, and you get your ass kicked. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why people don't just do kind of that spy zone, but clearly no one ever does it. So it's, I'm not pretending to be... Uh, you know Belichick here to try to break it down why but there's got to be some philosophical reasons in defensive football principles appreciate everyone listening we will be back again Thursday night football let's roll baby the volume Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere like at your pregame barbecue while you prep your meats That grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. 
So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.